0: This is the Anfield Rap on City Talk 105.9 Dortmund twelve fifteen on a Sunday in August. John Gibbons is Liverpool Football Club's way of saying, lads, go and have a big day. It feels a bit naughty. It feels, it, just it like, feels outrageous is what up it does. To something.
1: <laughs> it's Kev Walsh's birthday as well, my mate, and like it's, it's, it feels wild. It feels like a license to do all sorts. They should be putting things on and everything, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Sort needs to open at nine. Yeah, I think sort needs to open at nine. And everyone then that- will be like really excited as well because I mean, not many people will be get to go over to America to see the tour. So. That'll be your first chance to and, see also what,
0: reds. and also Dortmund Looking fabulous in yellow Everyone's going to be Very very pleased Yeah
1: Klopp Strutting around Strutting
0: around the place Looking fantastic uh, 12, 12 inches taller than Brendan Nowhere near as good At managing football teams Quarter past 12 it's On a gonna, Sunday It's going to be outrageous Alright then This is the Anfield Rap City Talk 105.9 point would like me to do this bit Saying people's names I'm Neil Atkinson Opposite me is John Gibbons To my left is uh, Michael Nevin To my right is Craig Grimmer. And uh, we've got a uh, Part 3 today Is on Mike Nevin's England uh, That's what they're called This year The Mike <laughs> Nevins England. It's great uh, the... Mike Nevins' experiences of England. He uh, he's he's come with the union jack tie on. Uh, part two is on, and Gaza misses the final. with Scott Murray and Rob Smart? They're going to both be on the phone with us uh, in part two, and part one is on M Ray whatever his name is and what that means and a chat about Columbia with Craig Grimmer who's our Colombian expert here on the Anfield Rap and he's to our right so the opening question then Craig, Mike, John uh, I'm going to do you two one's what's your favourite World Cup goal and the other one is because um, I've been asking everybody that and the other one is uh, from Mick Coyle who presents The Breakfast Show on City Talk Five Point Nine. would you say he's one of these nation's leading broadcasters John Gibbons I love
1: Mick Coyle you know <laughs> everybody loves terrific. Mick Coyle he's great where is he? <laughs> Sadly,
0: they don't keep me. He gets oh, to go that's home a at shame. one. That's he, a get, shame. he gets but to go home at one come for the drink later. You never know. You're looking at that He is the best breakfast host show in the UK. He is Mick Coyle, and his uh, his, his opening question that he suggested to us today. Not that he's got enough on. Uh, I, I thought he'd be in bed. Is uh, which footballer would you expect to perform best on Saturday Kitchen's Omelette Challenge? Which footballer would you expect to perform best
2: on Saturday Kitchen's Omelette Challenge? Uh, Michael Nevin. I'll go with the, the Spanish omelette. So. Uh, probably, I was thinking about Morientes yeah, The way I'd, it works is you just gonna make an omelette as fast as you can Alright, Garcia got, Luis Garcia can <laughs> yeah. make the fastest yeah, omelette But, but it would be stylish as well with him he's, Everything he did, he did was stylish So uh, Louis Garcia doing a Spanish omelette dead quick Okay, um, Craig Rimmer Who could break, who could make an omelette in under 20 seconds Looking for a current Premier League
3: footballer? Ricky Lambert I mean, 34 <laughs> penalties out of 34 He's gone under pressure And let's be honest, he can do no wrong at the moment So <laughs>
0: Ricky Lambert I don't know if he's quick enough, Craig I don't know if yes, he's got the pace yeah. Um, John Gibbons who are you going with it's just
1: Jordan Henderson isn't it, it just is <laughs> like I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking of a, like a better answer but oh, Jordan he would be everywhere he would be doing three things at once he would be sorting out someone else's omelette you know passing Morientes you know red red onion over <laughs> doing loads of shuttling he's <laughs> still getting his job done
0: and uh, not not a single hair would fall from his head into no, said omelette it's uh, pristine
2: as ever Jordan Henderson and what's your favourite World Cup goal then we've been doing this Mike what's yours I uh, didn't have much time to think about it but the one that just came into my mind straight away was Maxi Rodriguez against uh, Mexico I think where well, he passed it loads they put, um, did he pass it loads they passed it loads and then, they put and it then, the and then they, somebody pumped it into him and he controlled it on his chest and then volleyed it in from 25 yards diagonally over the keeper brilliant goal
1: that was mine. I'm a bit gutted. So um, I'm going to go for the obvious one, which is Carlos Alberto, uh, 1970 World Cup final. It is a great goal. I love how, how they're walking around the pitch. That's my favourite thing about 70s football that no one brings up much. I think what was funny about, uh, about Lambert's goal against
2: Ecuador was people were saying it was a bit um, Carlos Alberto-esque. <laughs> it wasn't really. It across the ball and that was about it. and it was a good run from Barkley, yeah. but...
1: I remember Neil Mello once saying he scored a Van Basten esque volley for the reserves <laughs> and then they showed it in. Well, he volleyed it in. <laughs> <laughs> there was the similarities there. But no, uh, yeah, Carlos Alberto is just for the slow, 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 fast wallop.
0: Uh, this is, right, I've got this thing anyway that. the film a there, there John. I, I, I want to <laughs> do this in part two, uh, a little bit with uh, with Scott and Rob. I haven't watched all the World Cup games. I actually think the only bit of football that hasn't got faster, loads faster, World Cups. I think there'll be more of that this summer where there's people just just walking around. Because it really is like we played a long season. We've had a lot on. It's boiling. We're just going to stride around the pitch now.
1: And I, th- I thought they were doing it in the last World Cup. I thought there was loads of it going on. But that England in the Tilly game, you're going to be able to go out and do a bit, do your shop, come back. <laughs> <laughs> Perlow's still got it. <laughs> <laughs> looking here, looking there. Yeah. He's under no pressure. No. Why would he be? No one's yeah, going to close yeah. him down.
0: We'll, talk, we'll get onto that with, uh, with, with Mr. Nevin in a little while. Um, Craig, what are you going for? Uh, Dennis
3: Burkamp for Holland, for Argentina, France <sighs> 98. Firstly, it's a phenomenal solo goal. And secondly, for the commentary, I don't know whether you've heard this, if not, get on YouTube. Dutch commentary commentator just screams Dennis Bergkamp twelve times <laughs> in response to the goal. As he well,
0: that's that, that's a great great way to describe the goal. I'd say he's he's, he's deconstructed it into its very essence, yeah. screaming Dennis Bergkamp twelve times. Uh, Carlos has just said Mateus versus Yugoslavia, which is a, which is a lovely 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 goal as well. Uh, well it just evokes colour as far as I'm concerned. All this. Okay, then are we saying his name, Mike Nevin? What's your pronunciation? Well, I I thought it was Emre Can, but apparently it's. Can, uh, Chan, uh, Chan isn't it you're going with Chan what are Chan, you going with John?
2: Gibbo's going with Khan aren't
3: you, yeah, you Khan. Say Khan? Yeah. so you're
0: saying Chan you're saying Khan what are you saying
3: I, I I went with Chan but I've since been corrected
0: by me by you yeah. I, what, what is it I've been informed by somebody maybe they could have just been I mean I'm just going off what this one person said Jan oh I'm not saying that Jan Emre no, Jan no chance so you're just going to stick with where you're on where yeah, you're it's on. a C innit <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. in England yeah. now, mate. I'm just waiting. I'm looking forward to me dad's pronunciation. The, the dad's
2: pronunciations will, will add another another level to the uh, to, to the mispronunciation. New letters, whatever the
0: correct version <laughs> Extra is.
3: Extra syllable in it. Yeah,
0: it's got one syllable. There's five different pronunciations already. That's before the dads have got involved. It's, just, it's out of control. Should we just call him Emre for M-ray. the purposes of this? Emre will do, won't it? Okay,
2: Emray. Then uh, Mike Nevin is your key signing. Well, he he sort of is, isn't he? And we've talked about before about the, um, the this fellow who's going to come in and potentially cover Gerard but there was the difficulty that if you get somebody in like that that he wouldn't be happy to sit on the bench so we we really sort of were looking for someone that would have a dual purpose midfield role and uh, and this, this might be the fella that we're, we're talking about here because he, he can play in a more advanced position, he, he, he tends to drive forward. I mean if I'm being honest I haven't Seeing an awful lot of him, but what I do know about him is that he has got that ability to play in more than one position. So I can see him covering. I can see him maybe coming in for some of the, the should we say, the lesser home games and covering Gerrard in a, in a deeper line role if Gerrard Gerard needs a rest. But I can also see many uh, opportunities for him to play alongside Stephen in a more advanced position in the midfield.
0: Uh, John Gibbons, we've said this before, uh, worryingly at times last season, he looks mildly underpriced with this release clause. It does appear that everybody wanted to keep hold of him uh, Bayern Munich and meant, meant to want to try and get him back. Uh, he appears to have a bit of power and pace. He could well be the lad who doesn't only cover Gerrard, who can't only do a bit at left-back, but might also be able to supply some energy in Henderson's absence.
1: Yeah, he, I've watched all the YouTube, everything YouTube's got to offer on this lad. I've, looks I've, looks I've, like he can run. I've seen it, and yeah, I've, I love the way he holds himself as a player. He's almost Vieira esque in, in not in his, his necessarily his ability, but how he how he kind of holds himself on pitch, how he moves across the. Across the pitch as well, and just seems to have a supreme level of confidence in himself. I think he's very he's very raw. He's got he's got he gives the ball away a lot. You can you can you've got these fabulous things now where people highlight every touch that a player has made in a game and put it together in four and a half minutes for you. It's brilliant. <laughs> whoever whoever came up with that, Rob Gutman, I think. <laughs> well, Rob's a big fan of it too. I know he is, but uh, but I don't think you'd I don't think you'd do that. <laughs> I you'd have the patience but um but someone's doing it for rob I know he is, he's is pleased by it. but you know but you get everything you get you get the good and the bad and you can really see how you're playing and you know he gives the ball away quite a, quite a lot and you know hes he sometimes you know he's trying things that you know he's not making the best decisions at times but in terms of his natural ability in terms of how he covers the pitch he he loves to tackle and you know as you say he looks like the kind of person who if we'd have had him with a few games to go when Henderson got suspended you would have loved to throw him in I mean I yeah, the ideal thing is we do our squad at the moment we don't have to throw him straight in we can kind of bed him slowly but he looks ideal for the premier league he looks ideal for the premier
0: league craig he does look to have the power and pace when you look on these youtube things and it looks like he loves carrying it as well which is quite interesting he seems to love striding forward
3: yeah i mean uh again i've not really seen too much of him but what i've seen and what i've heard yeah he looks like he's a, he, a player who's possibly in a similar mold to to another player we were linked with earlier on the summer and that's james Milner. in the sense that he's got that adaptability about him possibly a bit more athletic uh, than, than a Milner, um, but yeah, long term, I'd see him as probably a replacement to Gerrard, which may signal the beginning of the end for um, Lucas Leiva. Uh But because he's got that kind of that adaptability, and that athleticism to his game, he'd be able to get his game elsewhere within the team next season when Gerrard's playing.
0: Do you think? Yeah. Do, do you think this really does put Lucas's position in the squad under pressure?
3: Personally, I think so because I mean, I think the only position in which Lucas is of value to us now is as a defensive midfielder. And if we're looking at Chan as the um, Made alternative to Gerard. I don't really see where Lucas fits in going forward.
1: I don't personally think it does in the short term, I don't think anything will happen with Lucas, I think this this move in a funny kind of way actually cements Lucas, because I think they won't want to put too much pressure on him, yet yeah, they won't want to say okay, well you're you're definitely coming in for this guy, I think I think they'll keep Lucas around and just keep an eye on Emery and how he kind of develops What also the Dribbling thing is is a good point, because from what I've seen, and he does like to dribble it from anywhere, and where he's been caught out in particular is, is trying to dribble it from deep and getting caught out of possession than and the other team are on their back four. So because of that, until they can kind of coach that out or, or work on that and work on his decision-making, I don't see him that much playing where Gerard is, um, certainly first half of the season, next season. I think he's more likely to get his game coming off the bench in one of the attacking roles to bring energy, and also maybe at left-back. I think it's interesting this, Mike. I think it's going to tell us a lot about what's happening next.
0: He does like to beat a man, and I think that the big tactical innovation of this Liverpool side this season, I felt as the the season wore on, was you felt that Liverpool would pick four, three, four, five midfielders who could all beat a man. You know, you you feel that Gerrard can, Henderson can, Allen can, um, obviously Coutinho and Sterling both can beat not just one, not just two, but at times three or four. And so, therefore, if this if this guy's coming in with the ability to do that, and then one of the weaknesses when Lucas was dropped back in is that he can't do that. If you can beat a man in centre mid, you can take players out of the game. But it is interesting what John's saying there in that because the lad is
2: twenty, because he is raw, you might want to sort of give Lucas six months, maybe give him twelve. I was going to say exactly the same thing. I think we can sort of dodge the the Lucas question really till January. Um, you know, there is potential for him to maybe move on then. If it, you know, if he hasn't recovered any kind of the fitness that we've seen him have. Two years ago, I and mean, it has been a long time since he's been playing at his highest level. Do you think that one of the injury. things that's in, in, in Lucas's in Lucas's camp very much this summer is that he isn't going the World Cup? Well, definitely because he, you know, if it isn't a question of him having lost all of his pace and it is sort of you know an incremental thing with the in- injuries, then a good preseason behind him that other players might not get could put him in an advanced position in the squad come August. Um, and just re- regarding uh, can- Emery can Emery can I mean, as far as he's concerned. You know, there is going to be a bed and period. I mean, he's young, he's inexperienced, but the the biggest thing about Rodgers is his ability to to coach players and develop them. And you know, Sterling was a bit erratic, certainly even halfway through last season, and that appeared to be coached out of him. He started making better decisions, and but at the same time, he was also encouraged to be more. Adventurous as well. So, if this lad has got a little bit of imagination in him, can beat a man, then you know, Rogers is the perfect fella
1: fella to encourage that and develop it as well. Yeah, I completely agree with that when you when you watch him you think Rogers he's, he's, a, he's a rogers player in that is his attributes but also you know how much how much kind of natural ability he has and and the things that he's not doing so well at are all things that could be coached in him. and I'm sure rogers has looked at him and can't wait to get his hands on him it's a similar one with Mourinho as well that looks all but done you think you know this is someone who you know both those players are at the right age where they've got enough experience to be useful to us but also at the kind of age where you know they've still got a lot of development to do and you know the, I don't blame them for wanting to come to Liverpool because because if I were them, I would.
3: I think, do we see him more as a replacement in the squad for someone like Luis Alberto, who obviously didn't really push on last season? Uh, Obviously, um, Emre has a similar kind of age, but probably got more potential about him, so could possibly come in and kind of well, See, you know the key thing he's got that Alberto
0: never had was his energy and pace. And yeah. this is the other thing, you know, the other person with we'll, we'll League McCraig as well at the moment, strongly is obviously still Lallana. And um, we needed that, that you know, when Henderson went out, there was the shortage of energy. Lallana should offer that as well. It does feel as though Rob Cumpton last week said he noticed that it was height, he thinks we're going for height, but then one of his examples was a centre half. And he said, You know, we, we've got this lad in and he's a centre, he's 6'2". two. Centre halves tend to be six two. The point about Chan, Chan's a big lad, Chan, sorry, is a big lad, but lalana isn't, but it's more of physicality, more of being able to get yourself about the pitch that it looks like we're getting into as much as the height aspect it does seem like it's about getting a series of fitter lads in
3: yeah uh, obviously last season there was a lot of um, pressure on Henderson in that regard but obviously it, it's certainly an attribute which Rodgers values highly so bringing more players in who can kind of assist Henderson um, in, in that regard is definitely I think is the way he's going
2: the other thing as well is about not losing the style of play and you know if this, this fellow is someone who can beat a man and be progressive and you know so that make short bursts in, in um, short um, sorts of spaces. Basically, I, I just think that where we were a bit lacking was in in terms of a bit of physicality. And if you look at the the key player in City's team last season, it was Yaya Torre, wasn't it? Um, and that's exactly what he's got. And if this if, if, if this um, if this new lad is sort of of that ilk, then that can only be beneficial for Liverpool. And it's something a little bit different within the confines of the system that hopefully he will be able to adapt to quite quickly.
0: OK, then we've got Craig in the studio. We're going to talk briefly about Colombia, as he's written for us. Two articles now on the Anfield Wrap website. Well in Craig. Showing sure off. Very <laughs> much so. Uh, I mean, you've got, you've got a strong Colombian link, haven't you?
3: Uh, yeah, a uh, pers- pers- bit of a personal link there. So I've kind of been following relatively closely uh, the, Colum- the progress over the last couple of years within the qualifiers. So how are they going to miss Falcao? Um, To be honest with you, I don't think it's going to be as big a miss as some people are making out personally. Um, Obviously, just to give a bit of background, Falcao suffered quite a serious uh, knee injury and ACL injury uh, playing in a French Cup tie in January against, I think it was a French third, fourth tier side. At the time, it looked like it was certainly going to put him out of the the World Cup. Uh, Made pretty miraculous um, recovery, um, so much so that he was named in the initial 30-man squad. Um, The assumption was it was going to achieve a level of fitness that will allow him to go into the World Cup even though he may not have the match the match uh, sharpness there um, Peckham and the coaches decided not to take him which I personally think was probably the, it was a brave decision but I think it's probably the right decision because I mean ultimately the, the, the alternative was you've got a player the clear star man uh, the Colombian team sat on the bench £50 million signing for, for Monaco last year there's, there's going to be that expectation that pressure he's got to get to bring him. Away. he's got to come on at some point despite the fact he's not going to be match fit he's not going to have that sharpness uh, and I think it could have, could actually have created a problem. Well, It's obviously an issue that he's not going. It's a problem for them. I think it would have been a bigger problem if he did go. So um, who's the danger man for them now? Well, uh, to be fair, Colombia are actually very well stocked in that area of the, area of the field. Um, they've got Carlos Baccaru, who played in the friendly against Senegal last weekend. He's had an excellent season for, for um, Sevilla, won the Europa League. Uh, he looks to be in pole position to to, to directly replace Falcao as the main striker. Uh, they've also got Jackson Martinez, who's obviously very highly rated, and... Um, currently playing for porto but he's looking for a potential move elsewhere uh they, they did have luis muriel but he's also missed out on the on the squad i think i think fire injury as well um but yeah people like baka and and martinez can definitely offer a similar kind of threat to, to falco if, if they're not quite of the same level uh you've also got um hammers rodriguez and mm-hmm. cuadrado who tend to be the, the, the kind of creative hubs of the team um and i would expect them to those, those two to really stand out this summer I mean, it
0: feels like they're much talked about, doesn't it, Mike? I mean, it does feel at the moment there's a lot of there's a lot of people having quiet Colombian mm-hmm. conversations. Essentially, at the moment, it does seem that they're not quite as they're not quite as popular a dark horse to the point that they should not be a bright white horse as Belgium. But they do have you know they do have uh, some some dark horse credentials about them Colombia
2: this year. I think they've gone under the radar a little bit because they haven't qualified for a while. After is this the first? Yeah, sixteen um, years. 16, 1998 n- was the last time. they qualified. Yeah. So so you know, as far as you know, people coming into you know first and second World Cups as 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 viewers and supporters mm-hmm. then. It's not a, it's not a household name, Columbia, is it really? No, no. But if you go back to the the nineties, then they had a really good side then. Um, and did did they come second in the um, in the South American qualifiers? Is yeah, they right? were very
3: very impressive. Yeah, second behind Argentina, uh, best defensive record of any team in the in the qualification period. They had a, a very impressive four 0 win over uh, Uruguay, three one away win over Chile. So they did very well. Um,
2: and just on you know the, on the bare stats of those results, when I mean, that that does suggest that they're you know a very very capable side. Um, I'm I'm intrigued about what you said about Falcao and his and, and his replacements there because I mean he is I think he is an obvious miss because he is a truly world class player but I think you know when, when you're looking at sides that we don't know an awful lot about it's it's very interesting to find out that there's there's other players that can step into the breach really
3: yeah I mean don't get me wrong he is going to be a massive miss uh, he was the top scorer in qualifying he is he is the one genuine star the genuine goal scorer they've got within the team but I think actually the bigger miss for them. Um, is within midfield and defence. There's a couple of other players who have missed out through injury. Uh, Edwin Valencia, who's a favourite of the coach, Peckerman, uh, who's the, the kind of the key defensive holder midfielder um, during the qualifying uh, period. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of the reason that they had such an impressive defensive record during qualifying was down to him um, covering for the fullbacks. Peckerman likes to get the fullbacks pushing forward. Also, uh, Pereira, a uh, veteran centre back, uh, formerly of Atletico Madrid he's missed out through injury as well. So I think the key will be how they cope with those absences from a defensive um, regard. Well,
0: what's possible for them? How far can
3: they go? Uh, f- like I say, it depends on how, how how they cope with those absences. I think they're possibly weak in midfield. They're, they're quite fortunate because they've been joining you know, um, a relatively friendly group. Yeah. Uh, they've got Greece, Japan, uh, Ivory Coast. So there's not really... It's quite an intriguing group, actually, because there's no real standout name in there. But you would expect them to get through that. I mean... Nobody likes Greece. Everyone wants to see them, them get beat, <laughs> especially Phil. Uh, Phil Long. Ivory Coast will probably be the main threat, but um, obviously they've got Colo, they've got his brother Yaya in there, but they've got an Asian squad. Mm. Uh, I don't really know too much about Japan, so I'll just say that they're no good. Um, but if they can get out of the group, which they should do, they've potentially got a tricky second round tie against Uruguay, England, or Italy, and it will probably come down to how they how, how they cope with the pressure in that kind of that kind of big game environment. Uh, but if you get through that, then who knows? I mean, well, who's going to win semi-finals? the
0: World Cup? Who, where's your money for the World Cup, Craig? Uh, I'm asking everybody
3: this. Can't really go past, go beyond Brazil. To be honest, another Although, Brazil,
0: another Brazil. Not anywhere. Everybody I've asked so far. That's now six Brazils. Brazil. Now we're on six. I'll ask John and Mike in parts two and three. I'll also ask Scott Murray and Rob Smythe. Uh, they're coming up after the break to discuss. And Gaza misses the final. The Anfield Rap on City Talk 105.9. It is the Anfield to Talk on a 5.9. Forgot to say that before the break, but you know you can't expect any level of competence in these parts. Uh, Neil Atkinson opposite John Gibbons, Mike Nevin and Craig Rimmer. We've got on the phone now Scott Murray and Rob Smythe who've written a book called Angaza Misses the Final. But before we get into that book, uh, we're going to discuss with them basically uh, which footballer would they expect to perform best on Saturday Kitchen's Omelette Challenge. Mick Coyle's opening question. Uh, Scott Murray, name your player.
4: <laughs> um, well, I was undecided. I was going to go for someone like uh, Muller, uh, Jimmy Greaves. It would be really super clinical. They wouldn't spill a drop of egg. It would be straight in the skillet. And the uh, omelette that they make can soak up any booze that they have for breakfast.
0: Okay, then. Uh, old school options, but I yeah. like it. Very, very, uh, You're very, very on brand, aren't you, with the book? I'm impressed, Scott. I'm impressed. Yeah. Uh, and let's see if Rob's as on brand. Rob, uh, wh- 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 who are you going with? Yeah, who can I, break well... 20 seconds?
5: Uh, I wasn't sure but I decided Gary Neville. I thought he'll have been preparing for this from the age of sixteen, you know, making
4: an
0: omelette every morning. He'll have done his research, he'll have watched the videos and um yeah, so breaking egg after egg after egg after egg. <laughs> Started off, it took him four and a half minutes, but after after six months of hard graft, he got itself exactly. down to a healthy twenty five seconds. Everyone <laughs> in the Neville household is absolutely sick of omelets, but Gary is walking away with the crown. Um <laughs> Gents, the books and Gaza misses the final. I'll say the concept very, very briefly, so you don't have to. It's minute by minute on World Cup games, uh, World Cup final games from um, from from 1950 onwards to the 1950 final onwards. It's it's an interesting concept because it was the sort of thing that people might feel would be a little dead on the page, but haven't haven't gone through it. It's remarkable, isn't it, Scott? Exactly how much you miss when you watch these games back. You must have been stunned by you know exactly how much of this you were you you, you managed to somehow your brain hadn't retained.
4: Well, I just think it's because you see the. the, the Sort of, you, everything gets boiled down to like, you know, these little 10-second clips, and they become your memory by default. It's just little things like when the Maradona Hand of God goal, for example, everyone can replay that in the mind. But the thing I'd forgotten about is that he makes this amazing mazy run from the left wing, cutting in past about two or three people to sort of set the move up in the first place. So it was started off with this sort of flash of brilliance. And so, well, I mean, it was ended in a sort of different flash of brilliance. But it's you know, you you only sort of hone in on one on one thing, which is
0: which is very strange. Uh, Rob, the one I noticed, I've been told you're very big for talking about 1990, and I know the gentleman in the room with me are as well. The one one that struck me when I was going through it was I'd completely forgotten that both Waddle and Buckwald and Mr Pennell, uh, uh, sorry, both hit the post in the England-Germany semi-final. uh, And as soon as I I read it in the book, I remember both of them crystal clear. But it's honestly completely slipped my mind that there'd been two two instances of the post being struck. Yeah, exactly.
5: A book file was about two minutes to go in extra time. But there are other things from that game that I actually hadn't... Not yeah, they're not retained. I can't even remember them. So, Bottle should have had a clear penalty. It's not even debatable when England won no doubt. And then with about seven minutes to go in extra time, Platt has a goal disallowed. And it's probably the right decision, but it would be onside today. But also, it's so close. It could easily have gone the other way. And I think the person who's given offside is poor old Gasquin, actually. So, he kind of inadvertently uh, cost England a place in the World Cup final.
2: Mike, did you remember any of them? Uh, I remember most of them. I don't remember the disallowed goal, but I remember another... Uh, I don't know whether there was a disallowed goal because I think the whistle had gone but didn't Waddle have a shot from about 40 yards that came That's off right, the underside yeah. of the bar and then bounced out but I think the whistle might have gone just previously It, it
5: had gone, yeah, nothing he had done, I think Platt had fouled someone off the ball but yeah, he basically was in the centre circle, chipped
2: Ilgner and he, um, Ilgner tipped onto the bar, yeah. I think it was one of them ones that the, 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 for the TV viewer, we never knew the, the, the whistle had gone and uh, I, it was a moment of excitement, maybe if it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're at the ground then you, you, you're more up to speed with what's going on And it
5: almost Matter the fact that an England player was actually trying that, I mean, I don't think Waddle knew the whistle had done, so the very fact he was trying it kind of reflected how far England had come in those
0: few weeks, I suppose. It's uh, other stuff that's in there as well. you got a uh, Brazil Italy from 1982. you got the Battle of Santiago, Scott. I mean, did you argue over who did what?
4: Um, a, a wee bit, but I think we just kind of both had our a, a sort of favourite periods. Like I, I know that Rob has more fond memories of... Um, of Italian 90s that I do, but then I, I was supporting Scotland through that <laughs> tournament, so that's kind of natural. But I, I I quite like looking back at like some of the old stuff, like the Battle of Santiago is another the, the Chile Italy game, uh, the, the the big sort of Donnybrook that they had. It's uh, it's it's just fantastic entertainment because they, again that's boiled down to, you know, you remember the great left hook that floors the fella and the sort of chest high two footed challenge. But that's actually happening every couple of minutes if you watch the whole thing it's it's magnificent and you'll never get a game like that again well, today they
0: are, it comes it comes through in your thing in the book they're absolutely hacking lumps out of each other aren't they from about the 6th minute i think that's the first really bad one i think you point out and then it just doesn't stop
4: well then and and then there's like the bobbies sort of come on mob handed like someone's sort of escorted off the off the pitch with about 40 guys from the from the local constabulary i mean it was a it was a major international incident already before it was even kicked off because there was a couple of italian journalists had come over to chile and said you know this place is a complete slum without sort of realizing there'd been like a huge earthquake a couple of years ago so all the Chileans were going aye ay, maybe we should get stuck into these lads which is
0: exactly what, um, what they did. Uh, I mean, Rob, the other thing I noticed as well is that you must have done well to find some of this footage to get to get the full the full stretch of 90 minutes or 120 out of some of these games. It, it, was that a struggle?
5: It actually wasn't. It's surprisingly easy. There, there's one website where you can pretty much get full games from, I don't know, the
0: Romanian League in 84-85. F- f- Rob, you're going to have to send me the link to this website. I'm furious f- f- <laughs> <laughs> about this news. I was killing myself trying to get by a Leverkusen Liverpool about two months ago and no one had it. And that was from, oh. that, that was from this, this century.
5: Uh, yeah, I should be front, but yeah, it's terrifying the, uh, the the extent of the stuff you can find. The other one, I mean, we struggled, to, we wanted to do a couple of games from 54, um, but we couldn't get those in their entirety. But anything from 66 six onwards, and we managed to get a radio transcript in 1950 of the entire game, but yeah, anything from 66 six onwards, it's not actually that too bad.
0: It's I mean, minute by minute, Rob. It's something that in theory shouldn't work, but it very much doesn't. What struck me when I was reading the book is that basically, I'm reading thing, I'm reading events from football matches, and they're being given to me in, in when you and you've tried to you've tried to capture it as though it's con- contemporaneous when you've written the book. When you describe these events, you don't know what the overall narrative is going to be. i.e. just simply before we try to charge narrative with something, it doesn't necessarily have to have the idea of you know basically what the outcome is. So you yeah. you're trying to write about these, and therefore there's a purity. To it that effectively, is completely gone from football journalism uh, now in newspapers and uh, even in, in in blogs and in everything. There's a purity to it that's just absolutely disappeared because it's it's pure reportage of events.
5: Yeah, I think that's true, and I think two of the most famous um, games involving English sides in the last twenty years: Istanbul and um, Man United in Barcelona. If you do the minutiae of those, there will be a point in the game where both managers will be getting pelters. You know, United and Liverpool are playing terribly. Ferguson and have got it wrong. And then, of course, it ends in the ultimate glory. So I think that's fair enough. There are times you look back at what you say is made to look ridiculous, but that, that's kind of part of the point. Games will change in ways that nobody could foresee, really. So I agree, yeah, I think that, that's the nice part with the kind of complete purity. Even though you can make yourself look completely
0: ridiculous, that's, that's fine. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, no one's ever right. There's no interest in football if people are right all the time. I think being right in football is the worst thing. If you're right about football, <laughs> you're a pub bore, um, and you, <laughs> yeah. you effectively shouldn't be allowed to enjoy it. I mean, <laughs> Mike, all the, the minute-by-minute stuff—it's effectively—and it this occurred to me again when I was when I was going through it. It's effectively what the Pink Echo used to do, where you'd get the Pink Echo if Liverpool are played away from home, and you pick it up, and it would just list things that had happened in the game and the order they had happened there was no attempt to try to cobble this together into something that was pretty it was just here's a list of things from a football match
2: yeah I mean that, obviously that was down to the fact that, the, that those journalists writing, writing those Liverpool uh, Echo reports on the Saturday they're at the game they didn't have any time to sort of frame, frame the report around the, the narrative of the game and the outcome And that that was where that purity came from. And when I was writing the book on 85-86, the the pink echo was something that I drew upon. I remembered a lot of the incidents, but obviously not 90-minutes of games that had happened 25 years ago. When
0: you were a a young man on fantasy free.
2: Well, that's it, you know, I mean, (laughs) but um, as I say, you know, key events, one of the funny things about the pink echo was that they used to pick out the 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 the, uh, the descriptions of the goals in it like a bold type yes uh, as yes. The, as the key event so if you couldn't be bothered scanning through the entire match report you, of a game you'd just seen about an hour and a half before <laughs> just read the goal goal descriptions there they are in black type.
0: <laughs> uh, and that's well. That's sort of I mean, again. That's sort of a minute by minute thing as well. Obviously, you know, you've raised, you've done, you've done even within the book, you've done individual minutes that were spectacular. But you've done in this, you know, you've you've given the the goals. They get they get an extra boost, don't they, Scott? They get that in there. And again, you get the goals without without anything else attached to them. Just a description of this thing which
4: happened. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's really important. But it's all, it's also important to get the the ebb and flow of matches that. You know, sometimes if there's like 20 minutes that's, like, a little bit dull, Yeah, th- that gets written out of history or, you know, some incidents, little incidents get, get written out. Actually, I, I, I mean, one of the one of the best examples of this, I mean, this is me being off-message now because it's not in this book, but um, is the Istanbul final when Sammy hippias should have got sent off.
0: Exactly, was, yeah.
4: When it was 3-0, and no one ever remembers that now because it's not part of the... the but, you know, part of the overall narrative. And in some ways, it doesn't matter. But in other ways, it's brilliant to discover that.
0: And, I mean, this is uh, and this is what you're doing with this book. I think it's fascinating, Rob. It, you're taking it away from nostalgia. I, I was, I've got to be honest, I really enjoyed it, um, which is one of the reasons why we've got you on, because I, I really can't be able to speak to someone if I didn't enjoy the book. <laughs> uh, it just, just just feels leaden, like a pack of lies. It's um, Friday, isn't it? It's Friday, Friday exactly. Friday night, you've got to be honest. Um, <laughs> you can do all the lies on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, you know, it's this... You're gilding the lily a little bit, you're not soft, you know a little bit about what you're doing, but it stops it by nostalgia and makes it more like a re-education process. These games, they, they leap at you to fresh, don't they Rob, when you get them in this format? Where, for instance, you can see for effectively what, what I remember as 20 minutes of manic action was effectively 20 minutes where nothing happened, where I can see that this incident happens after the leading from this one. It really does sort of, it freshens these games, it brings them back into, into view.
5: Yeah, I think it does. And I think it did for us as well. Pretty much every game we did, there would be at least one major incident or one kind of thing that completely goes against what we thought we understood about the game. So I think, yeah, that, that was actually probably the biggest or the most enjoyable part of doing it, um, just kind of getting a completely fresh sense of the game. And some of them, of course, we really hadn't even seen. I'd never seen, um, say, England-Argentina in 66. I just thought I knew bits about it. Yeah, it was really, really big and
0: You've, uh, you've broken up a bit there for us, Rob. Uh, just if you've moved, just sort of move back. Scott, the thing I take from the, from, from the World Cup games at the moment, we actually have an argument about this both off air and in the break. I think that football's got faster. We all know football's got faster. It's got a lot faster. I sort of think the bits of football that have speeded up the least is World Cup games. Am I right about that or am I wrong?
4: Yeah, possibly. Although we watched, uh, I forget which game it was from 1986. It might have been the, the Belgium-Russia game that ended 4-3. And I was amazed and just stunned at how fast they were all running about. And this was at, like altitude in Mexico as well, in the mid '80s. So I, I, it's a difficult one. That I mean, obviously the the players are now athletes, you know, rather than sort of people who go you know boozing and carousing, which is a, which is kind of a shame, really. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's probably well, the main the main difference.
0: Well, speaking about that, Robert, you've also written something on the uh, for this for the summer on the Danish '86 side. Uh, what a gang of lads they were
5: yeah yeah they are kind of like well I don't know if I want to call them spice boys, so it was kind of an element of that too they were they, all gorgeous yeah, <laughs> yeah they kind of they yeah they certainly lived their life and enjoyed their theirtwens. You often see people say you kind of you can't live your youth and be a professional footballer. I remember Lee Sharp making that comment um or not be a professional footballer and successful, but yeah they seem to find like a happy balance between um between on field stuff and then their micro after What's
0: that called Rob that book?
5: Oh, it's called Danish Dynamite, which was just the kind
0: of general description given to the team. That's, that's fair enough, Danish Dynamite. It's good alliteration, I like it. It's strong alliteration, uh, and what a shirt. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, there's going to be lads tonight, nine o'clock on the phones, having listened to this, you'll be uh, drunk in bars and wondering why they're Googling Hummels, and seeing what they can get for themselves. Uh, the World Cup to come then, um, I'll ask you very, very quickly before we go into the break, I mean, very quick, what are you watching out for, who are you watching out for, who are you looking forward to, Rob?
5: Uh, i developed a kind of thing for Marco Royce lately. I think he's just the most amazing player and I hope, I don't actually know much about the German team but I assume he'll start and if he does I think he could be an absolute revelation. I also think Raheem Sterling could do really well if Hodgson um, has the...
0: Young players get your alligator Rob? <laughs>
5: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think yeah, I think if it could play him they might actually do reasonably well. And I've
4: also got a feeling Switzerland might um, bore everyone to tears but actually make it quite far in the tournament.
0: Wow, oh, three interesting shelter. What about you, Scott?
4: Yeah, mine, mine's a lot more obvious, I'm afraid. I just think it's going to be interesting to see what Messi does because I think he needs to do something in the World Cup. I don't think history will be as kind to him as the write ups he's being given now. So I think Argentina have to go really. You, deep.
0: Uh, Scott, Scott Murray, are you calling out Lionel Messi? Is this it? Is you <laughs> doing it now on the radio?
4: <laughs> well, a wee bit. I mean, I think he has to, you know, he he's compared to, he's been put in this sort of bracket of the Maradona's and Pele's and Beckenbauer's and Cruyff's and he hasn't sort of stamped his authority on a World Cup I think you need to do that
0: Okay, who do you think is going to win one word answer go on Scott
4: I think Argentina
0: Oh we've got our first non-Brazil first non-Brazil that's six Brazils one Argentina exciting stuff who who are you going with Rob?
4: Uh, Germany
0: Oh, and he's going with Germany. Okay, that's six Brazils, one Germany, one Argentina. This is the Anfield wrap. Huge thanks to Scott and Rob for taking the time. The book's called and Gazza misses the final. You can get it from all decent outlets and online. This is the Anfield wrap, City Talk 105.9. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about Hodgson next. The Anfield wrap on City Talk 105.9. Anfield wrap, City Talk 105.9, like the man just said. This is Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons, uh, Craig and Mike Knight, Nevin coming in a second to discuss Roy Hodgson. He's doing some sort of maths on, on a piece of paper there, which presumably results in exactly how much he just buys. Uh the Hodge uh, basically if, if, if you like the Hodge I don't think this next 10-15 minutes is going to be for you um, the magazine John Gibbons the magazine's come out the Anfield Rap magazine it's yeah, out
1: yeah it is out this is, this is exclusive news it's come out in the last hour it's really good it's got an interview with Noel Gallagher. That's good. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. Loads of football as normal. I Tons about, of football. I've banged on about music a bit. There's, there's, there's video from our awards. So there's, if you came to that, you'll enjoy that.
0: Yeah, uh, lots of me and you messing around uh, from the awards. There's uh, there's you've got a, a review of Ian Prowse's album. I'm obviously remembering the things I've done. You've got uh, Mike Nevin on the season as a whole. Um, it's uh, it's 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 excellent to see Mike well in. I,
2: Great. Think I think i'm in twice i think there's isn't there an excerpt from the um from well the book as i well? wasn't going to mention the book this really week mike i was, I was
0: uh, discretion was the better part of valor fair but enough. you can see excerpts from mine and mine and uh, john Gibbons' forthcoming magnum opus in to which uh to which ninety thousand words folks you can laugh all you like uh to which mike nevin has contributed a fair few of those words and that's in there as well Seventeen
1: thousand, 000 um, a henderson
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh there's loads and loads and loads of fantastic stuff in the magazine it's free to download you've just got to uh, you, you can also get it at Com. you can get it from itunes you can can get it from all those sorts of places you can click on there and then you can go right the way through it's full of video please watch the video it costs us money um but also it's fundamentally actually good um spend some time with that and work right the way through it's the Anfield Rap Magazine and we're made up to do it I'm well into it Ian Maloney for getting it out there and Gareth Roberts as well these lads are putting stints in all over the show yeah
1: he just nearly kills himself every time does he because yeah. we can't be bothered getting stuff in on time absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely not I'm laughing Ian's not Ian's most definitely not laughing
0: um, so yeah also uh, on the on, on the Anfield Rap website at the moment there's loads and loads of World Cup pieces um, Craig's got a couple on there Mike's done one John's not done his yet but there's no pressure John I haven't done mine yet on Chile uh, so you know we've got, to, we've got to all keep our heads and keep, keep a sense of perspective and proportion uh, meanwhile Martin Fitzgerald's done one and uh, basically everyone's talking about it up to and including the of the opposition, uh, that's the uh, all right, Fitzgerald. That's all you're getting, and um, that's uh, that, that's the uh, that's on the website at the moment about the world cup. They're all fantastic on there. And Mike Nevin's one that's on there is about his world cup journey. Um, Mike Nevin, how much money have you got in England?
2: I've got um, 30 quid on them at 33 to 1, yeah, and I've got 10 pound on them at 100 to 1. So I stand to win two grand if England win the world cup. And how happy will that make you? Neutral. <laughs> That just gets you to neutrality. Gets, Two grand gets you some neutrality. I've, I've seen another offer uh, this week. I'm not advertising it, but it's 666.com. com are offering 66 to 1, so I'm thinking about topping up just to put me in. Like, so you've got another tenner on. Just, just so I can join in with me. Have a Tony and mate who actually want us to win. The, that's the weird thing, isn't it? He's an ex-Liverpool manager, but that, that they're not bothered. That's how bad he was for us. And that's why I hate him so much. <laughs> it's, it's. I'm shaking my head as well. I'm talking and shaking my head. You getting annoyed? You actually feel that like are two I'm, grand's not I'm, enough? I'm getting angry. The thing is, we can't swear. No, I'm. I'm well, well versed with that. And when I watch on man, um, <laughs> it's a World Cup in Brazil. And you know, the, talk about England being the home of football. Brazil's the home of football, as far as the romantics are concerned. Um, you know, the Maracanã, all the magic of the Maracanã. those grainy pictures from 19... Um, not 1970, that was Mexico. Um, obviously, going back to 1950, the story about Brazil losing the, the final pool game, the only time there wasn't a World Cup final, but they lost the final group game, which ultimately decided the, the destiny of the trophy to Uruguay and the silence of 200,000 people. So, it's, historically, this, this is huge, you know. And it's an incredibly romantic thing, the, a World Cup back in Brazil... But then the romance is just utterly kicked in the face by the fact that if you wanted to get behind England, it's Roy Hodgson in charge. It's it's just, it's a, it's a travesty. It's every, it's every single time, every single time he does something, says something, goes
0: somewhere. He was holding court in a pub the other night, which made it officially the worst pub in in, in, the, in the whole wide world. And um, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm including pubs in Southport in that. It was, it was absolutely That's really stretching it there. Yeah, it <laughs> Sorry, was Southport. absolutely disgraceful. Uh, everything that comes out, I'm, I'm, I'm virtually patho- pathological on it. I can't bear him, Craig. I can't bear anything to do with him. And I, and for once, and it's the first time since possibly ninety eight, it feels like an England team you could get behind. it. Feels like a, it feels like it could be a modern England team, an England team that's as exciting as as, as Dortmund mentioned them earlier on the show. We've got pace, we've got swagger, we've got verve, and then it cuts to this travesty of a human. I really, really can't cope.
3: Yeah, I mean it's difficult not to have some kind of some kind of interest in the in the, considering the number of Liverpool players are in the squad, um, but then Hodgie's face appears on the, on the TV again, and you're reminded them of who the man is that's in charge of this team, and it's just uh, just that one huge negative just out. Just out Can you
1: get behind process. them? I'm struggling. I'd like to. I would like, really to. like to.
0: I'd re- I could, really like could. to. I really could if it was Teddy Venables in charge.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got a couple of bad lads. I mean, Wilshire's still knocking about. Well, but... I want them to pick Wilshire because <laughs> it makes me mind up. It, it, it is such a shame, and everyone, and everyone summed it up really well, that if this... The squad that's exciting young players, you know, loads of talent. And Roy Hodgson seems to hate half of them. He seems to be looking at them, thinking, one of you is going to cost me my job, and he's deciding which one it is. And that's his his constant mindset, his negativity.
2: There's an an enormous paradox here, or or contradiction, if you like, where he's actually picked a squad that is completely and utterly an anathema to Roy Hodgson, loads of young players. And then I read something this week about um, Sterling and Barkley. It was in some kind of. Assessment of current value of players in Europe and Sterling and Barkley were in the top 10 as far as transfer or potential transfer value of players in Europe. The likelihood is he won't play either of them. Oh, he hates them.
1: He hates us, Barkley. I I thought
2: Barkley was brilliant the other night, and yet he gets it in
1: the neck from Hodgson afterwards. Um, well, the best thing about it was though he got a cover with journalists for saying he played well. He was furious with them. Yeah. Don't start me with
0: that. Don't, don't you come here giving me that well, nonsense. I, I, you <laughs> telling you me people, my players
1: are good? Yeah,
0: tell me, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you which of my players are good and I'll
2: tell you most of them are bad.
0: That's why we're thirty-three to one and sixty-three to sixty-six to one and one hundred to one.
2: This, this is it. And I wrote in my, in my pieces that I said, you know, England teams with less talent than this have gone to World Cups priced at eight to one and ten to one. Uh, and I know it's in South America, and that makes it more difficult. But they shouldn't be thirty-three to one with that amount of talent in the, in, the, in the squad. This is the Premier League; these players all come in the Premier League. Everyone will accept that the Premier League is is either the best or the second best league in the world in terms of being strong across the board. These players all star in that league. Why are they thirty-three to one? Because of Roy.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree that. I mean, the squad's full of of. of talent full of young talent exciting they've got, they've got the potential to, to go there and do something something different something fresh something new but you just know that Hodgins is going to go there and he's just going to dog it he's, he's not going to play the likes of Barkley he's not going to play the likes of Sterling he's going to play Welbeck he's going to play Wiltshire and he's just he's just going to try and dog it you see just... I,
2: I've got a theory behind his selection of the young players I think it is get out close so why? And... Um, he, he, and and he's, he's,
0: also, he's also picked the squad the press wants them to pick and that's what Roy does, he does what the press tell him.
2: Yeah, and you know, if they come home, let's say they get to the last 16, uh, they get beaten the last 16, then uh, he, he, he can say, look, I picked the young squad, I picked the team, That's picked Friday night. That he wants. It's Friday night, it's Friday
0: night, I can't handle this. It was your, it's your <laughs> agenda. I know, it's my agenda, it's a terrible <laughs> decision, I can't handle them having success in any form of life like boiling an egg. That's the Anfield raft this week. Fuming. Fuming.
2: <laughs>
4: This is the Anfield Wrap on City Talk (sighs) 105.9.